Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with Dr. Jeff Perrone. He's a clinical psychologist from Ottawa. We've had him on the podcast before, and we brought him back to talk about a bunch of stuff. We start talking about quarantine fatigue, and we actually end the part of the discussion uh, near the end about quarantine fatigue as well, because I think that's probably something we're all kind of going through in different ways. And we also talk about schemas and core beliefs and values, and he, he asked me some questions of my own thinking, and we, at the end, he had some extra time, so we just kind of wander into the discussion about real estate and real estate investing and cash flow and that kind of stuff. So we're all over the place. And that's what I really like about doing this podcast is I get to sit down with people I enjoy speaking with and just having a meandering discussion. So hopefully you enjoy this as well. And uh, that's it for, oh, we we are going to link to Dr. Jeff Perrone's LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So if you want to get through to him, he is in the Ottawa area. You'll go to the show notes of this episode and you'll find his LinkedIn profile. So if you need to reach him for any reason, that's the best way to find him. And if you are listening to this and you want to jump into some of the real estate stuff going on in the greater Toronto and Golden Horseshoe area, you can sign up for the next 90 minute introductory training class we do. That's where Nick and I jump on to go through all the different strategies that we're, we're, um, we're using right now and to share the very latest data that we're looking at. So for example, very recently, Recently, we've been looking at some Ryerson data where they're coming out talking about how the new household formations in the golden, greater golden horseshoe. So like think, you know, I guess Belleville, Ontario, right around to Niagara, um, how that particular area is going from 50,000 new household formations a year to 70,000. So it's an absolutely massive increase on a percentage basis, and that's going to drive a lot of what happens to real estate here over the next decade. So on that introductory training class, we share a lot of that thinking, a lot of our data points, a lot of the strategies that we're using with different investors. And you can register for the next class by visiting CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's www.CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. Nick and I stick around after to handle the chat and answer any questions that you might have in the chat. And that's it. So you can go to CanadianRealEstateTraining.com to register for that. That's enough with the intro. Let's jump into the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, so we are live with Jeff Perron. Am I, Jeff, I know I, my own team here makes fun of me always asking about people's last name, but I just want to confirm it. How do I say your name properly? Well, I, I've got a lifelong struggle with that myself because my, my dad's French from Northern Ontario. Uh, so he grew up French as his first language. I'm so I've got a French last name, and my brothers and I went through French immersion at school. So we don't have a perfect French accent. So I struggle with the proper pronunciation of my own name. And when I moved to Ottawa, obviously there's a lot of uh, French speakers, a lot of bilingual people who just like switch back and forth English French in the same sentence, and. Uh, Sometimes they correct me on my pronunciation of my own name. So I kind of anglicized it uh, back to Peron um, just for, for simplicity. So you're good with Peron. Peron. Okay. But someone out there is laughing at the way we're both saying it. I, I fully yeah. can appreciate, I can f- fully appreciate it. And I guess I should say Dr. Jeff Peron. 
Why am I not saying doctor at the beginning? Yes. So you um, just so for anyone who has not heard you before here on this podcast, can you just give us the little intro just about yourself, just for context before we dive into things here? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I work in Ottawa. Um, at this point, we're, we're all remote. So we're in the the, the pandemic remote working situation. But uh, yeah, my, my day-to-day is pri- primarily working with people with uh, depression, anxiety, stress, burnout. Um, some of the more, you know, I hesitate to say more kind of um, uh, serious or acute uh, mental health conditions as well when it comes to maybe more acute uh, bipolar disorder, uh, bipolar two, and, and things of that nature. But um, m- most of my practices, depression, anxiety uh, disorders related. You are needed in today's world. Let's face it. When you were saying depression and anxiety, and we, and we were just talking before we started recording, I'm like, there's some days where I'm getting up and just thinking, oh, was there anything new happening today? Like, is it the same old thing again? You know, and I have like dreams of going to a restaurant, you know, which I know sounds crazy, Jeff. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm like, can I just go to a restaurant? You know, and uh, anyway, so we're going to we're going to dive into that. But I just I'm curious. We took a, a bit of a poll that I shared uh, with you here at Rockstar and some of the different things. And, and the number one thing everybody asked about was quarantine fatigue. Is that I, I got to imagine this is affecting your practice, this whole pandemic. And is there just, before we dive into to some of the, the, the deeper stuff, is that something just common that you're seeing in almost everyone? Or are there some people who are just not affected by this quarantine and don't have this quarantine fatigue? And, and, and I, I, that's a general question, but I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah I, I don't see anyone who's not affected by it. And I, I think that that's across the board in, in work, my, my friends, my personal life, and this is impacting everybody uh, to some extent, right? There's, there's nobody out there who's just, you know, just thriving. Uh, and I think in the, the early part of the pandemic, um, you know, I, weeks into it, there, there were people who were kind of on that, you know, Corona vacation, uh, where, oh, it's great. I work from home, you know, the kids are home, you know, cut my commute down. Uh, this ain't bad. Uh, that like that is long gone. So I think this is really important in validating for people to hear that nobody's thriving. You know, you and I were talking just off the top, you know, there's just a, a general fatigue. The way I describe it is, um, kind of everything's 20% harder, uh, right now. Plus we've, um, gotten rid of the things that we do uh, to add pleasure, motivation to our lives, you know, in-person socializing, going to a restaurant, um, exercising has been hampered. Uh, so all of these positive, pleasurable and mastery activities have been um, taken away. So so if anyone out there who's, you know, what's wrong with me? What, why can't I uh, get going, get motivated? It's like, well, because you're, you're a human being. It's funny because I do have some good days um, and I don't want anyone thinking that I'm really in a bad place. So I should give that context, but I do have good days where it's like, oh, you know what? I got a routine. I'm looking forward to different things. And then other days it'll be when news breaks of like, oh, we, I think the last one that hit me hard and probably the hardest was this extended lockdown in Ontario. Mm -hmm. When that one was announced, I feel like two weeks ago now, for whatever reason that day, 
I turned into fuck this. <laughs> I just turned into like, okay, that's like, fuck. Yeah. You know, and I understand there's a whole, you know, there's different aspects and everyone can look at this different ways, but that if I'm just being honest, that was my take. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, and there's and those something are, to be said for the uncertainty factor of it. Just you know, okay, well, we're we're opening up, we're closing, we're we're opening up. Spring's coming. Oh, by the way, full lockdown, and we we, we can talk about the impact of uncertainty, stress, cortisol levels, and how that's going to affect your yeah. Okay, so your yeah, physiology. That go into that. So when we're uncertain as humans, that just spikes your cortisol naturally. So I, you know, I, to get into all the physiology, I won't go there because that's not my area of expertise, but we do know that, you know, humans are flight or fight wired species, and that's really good for evading short-term threats. Because remember, evolutionarily, our purpose is to procreate, propagate, you know, the, the species. And so we're wired to avoid threats so that we can get on with um, procreating and, you know, raising our family and, and spreading our genes. And so we were wired such that there's a benefit to having a, a, a sensitive false alarm built in, right? Because if there's, and we might've touched on this last time, like if there's an animal sound in the weeds, it's safer if we, like every time we just flee, like, let, okay, let's, let's have a stress response. Let, let's take action. Let, let's do something um, as opposed to, okay, well, let, let, I don't know what, let's go investigate it. Da, 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 right? um, Cause then you, you run the risk of getting eaten. So that, that same wiring is still present in us today. And so that, that gets activated uh, really good for evading short-term acute threats. When we're getting into that being can overactivate like chronically, um, hyper aroused on edge, then you've got the cortisol running all the time, which has all kinds of impacts downstream on your brain and, and your physiology and lead to, you know, chronic fatigue, stress, burnout. So I, I think that's part of what's happening for, for all of us. So then is this where we get into what you've shared before? And I think we want to talk about it a little bit here to frame things people's schemas and their core beliefs and their values, where, where does that fit? And, you know, when you talk about that and, and it's obviously very important because you bring it up um, often and we can dive into specifics of quarantine fatigue and how we can all battle that. But can you start with maybe that schema core beliefs and your values thing, just to frame things for us? I, I, I love that talk. Yeah, perfect. So the core beliefs model, AKA schema model is what I work from. So not every psychologist will, but that's my particular <clears throat> orientation. So what, just to kind of give a, a tutorial on it, it's you've got your thoughts, feelings, behaviors is in like the simplest unit of any situation from a, a cognitive behavioral therapy standpoint. So picture that thoughts, feelings, behaviors are interconnected. If you have an event, and your thought or interpretation is, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Everybody thinks I'm a, a failure. You're gonna feel anxiety, sadness, maybe frustration, anger, and that's gonna influence your behaviors. You're gonna pull back, withdraw, or engage in other safety behaviors like, you know, I mean, let's, okay, well, let's drink and then, you know, I can bring my, my defenses down and interact that way. So, point being, 
your thoughts drive your emotions or are linked to your emotions, which are linked to your behaviors. But where do your thinking patterns come from? That's where your core beliefs come in. So your core beliefs or your schemas are the lenses through which you see the world. And they, you know, part uh, genetic, biological probably, but, you know, a huge part of that is, is just developmental and environmental. So you, we, if we look at um, various core beliefs, I'll, and I'll just like throw out the labels and I'll actually, I did pull up uh, one of the questionnaires that we use to help people identify, okay, what are your core beliefs? So I'm going to read some of those questions just so people have a sense of what I'm talking about here. And right, because I'm thinking of some of my core beliefs in life. So I'm interested to hear examples because I'm like, am I, and maybe I'm going to get you to analyze me a little bit or question my thoughts later. Okay. Because I, I'm curious. I want to throw this to some things that I think are important to me. And I, I'm, I'm curious as to your take. But yeah, if you could share those examples of core beliefs, that'd be great. So why don't we then, why don't I pick through some that I think maybe could apply to Tom here. And then you, you can tell me what you think at the end, but either way, it'll give people an idea of, you know, what I'm talking about when I say core beliefs. Um, and, and for people at home, like don't go and try like self-diagnose here. I'm, I'm not treating <laughs> Tom. I'm not advising anyone to that. check in with your licensed regulated health professional. Um, this is just for general information. Um, so, okay. If, if I had to pick some questions here that I would want to ask Tom, I would ask him a series of questions like, bear with me one second as I scroll through. I didn't mean for you to set me up in real time live here, but now let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> it, we, it won't hurt. Don't worry. Um, I feel that people will take advantage of me and we'd ask people to rate these um, on, on a continuum. Um, I often feel I have to protect myself from other people. If someone acts nicely towards me, I, I assume that he, she must be after something. It's only a matter of time before someone betrays me. So you can see there that that's a sampling of questions related to this core belief or schema around mistrust. Huh. That's funny because for me, um, I'm often uh, told that I trust people too much that I think a lot of people around me will say, Tom, you always think the best in everybody. Yeah. They're going to screw you. And I'm always like, well, until they prove otherwise, I'm, you know, I feel like I, in my gut, and I'll, I'll use feelings a lot. And I'm like, no, uh, I, I feel like they're a good person and I'm going to trust them and do something with them. So when I hear you say those questions, I feel like mm, that, that does not reflect me. Okay. Well, that, well, that's the good thing. But you, you also have to be mindful of where that could be become a liability as well. Oh, totally. And, oh, yeah, yeah, that, totally. That, yeah, Nick, remind, Nick reminds we, me of that all the time. Like, yeah, yeah, Tom, you're way too trusting of people, right? <laughs> so. and, and that's a challenge when you work with, with clients who do have a strong mistrust schema is, well, no, I, I couldn't you know, let my guard down because this is a, this is a real protective factor. And, and maybe that's so, like up, up to a point, um, it is you don't want to be on the side where you're just going to blindly, blindly trusting folks. Um, but the question becomes, when does the belief in mistrust and walking around with kind of like a mistrust lens, when does that become a liability? And that's where you know I work with folks. Um, let me ask you some other questions. I, I think you're relatively, seem to be relatively well adjusted, 
Tom, but let well, me... Uh, I don't know. You probably just don't know me well enough. <laughs> Je Dr. Jeff, you yeah. don't know me well enough. Nick would not say that. But yeah, let's go. What, what's the next set of kind we, of core We've beliefs? got questions like, I don't fit in. I'm fundamentally different from other people. I don't belong. I'm a loner. I feel alienated from other people. I feel on the outside of groups. No one really understands me. Uh, my family was always different from families around us. Um, no one I desire would want to stay close to me if he or she knew the real me. Oh, wow. Those, so when I hear those questions, I feel like that is like a, just a, a general negative connotation to some of those questions, but that has some um, accuracy in me that I'll feel like I am a little different than what I feel most people uh, believe. And, and where that expresses itself for me is that I, I often will say things like, you always do the opposite of the masses. Whatever the majority of people are doing, this is just like, I, I think I read this in a personal development book at some point in my twenties, but I always resonated with that. I'm like, if everybody's running to the exit door, I'm absolutely not going. <laughs> yeah. Like that's my personality type. Like if everybody says, do this is the right thing to do. I'm immediately like, eh, I don't think so. Right. So, uh, but, uh, but I, it's not that I, I, I feel like lonely or um, outside the group. I feel I'm, I'm introverted and most people think I'm extroverted. So mm -hmm. if I go to like a network, a conference or something, I'm not going to be the most social person in the room. Um, I'm, I'm social with people that I, I know well, but I don't make new friends very easily. Um, so yeah, there is some truth in those questions for sure for me, but uh but, but not, not, not like where I feel like isolated and alone and uh, I don't fit in. Yeah. Well, I, 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 maybe maybe this is were... where I'm like a narcissist or I don't even know if I'm using the word properly. I don't feel like I don't fit in. I feel like I understand things and the way I understand things is right. So that's real. If you really want to know, that's really where Nick will go crazy. And he'll be like, why do you think you're right? You always think you're right. I'm like, well, I don't know. I've done a, put a lot of thought into this. I've done a lot of analysis and I'm pretty sure this is right. I'm right on this. So when I make a statement about something, I'm pretty convinced that I'm right about it. And I, I'm sure that's probably a, maybe not always the most positive trait to have. <laughs> Well, I, I think that it, it does say something about your values and, and clarity on your values if you can have confidence in the decisions you're making and, and the things that that you're speaking about. So all of these these questions are on a, a continuum, right? So you can imagine if someone is on the, the high end of the continuum where they're they're strongly endorsing something like I don't fit in, I'm a I'm a loner. Rarely are you going to see someone coming like full on. Yeah, I'm an outsider. I don't fit in, don't belong anywhere, right? There's usually some conditionality to it. It's like, well, I kind of feel that way. Here's how I mitigate against it. Here's where that gets in the way um, in my life. But the, of course, you do have some clients who are you know, full. Yeah, I, I believe that I, I don't fit in. I can't fit in. I won't fit in. And that's the level of belief in those uh, maladaptive thoughts is correlated with the level of of impairment right if you if that is your lens that's how you're viewing yourself or the world then you can imagine how that influences negatively or problematically uh, your behavior is there um i want to ask you some questions on that is there another set of questions that you want to give in as an example or, or are we good well i've got i've got hundreds here let me i'm going to ask them that i think that 
a lot of the listeners, if I and know the audience or have an accurate guess about uh, some of the folks in the audience might um, endorse, maybe not all the way, but to some extent. So these are questions relating to this idea of unrelenting standards, right? So achievement oriented. Um, I strive to keep almost everything in perfect order. I must look my best most of the time. I try to do my best. I can't settle for good enough. Um, I have so much to accomplish that there's almost no time to really relax. Almost nothing I do is quite good enough. I can always do better. I must meet all my responsibilities. Um, my relationships suffer because I push myself so hard. So so on and on and on. So the, these are a set of questions yeah, I could see. I could see how. Standards. Yeah, the audience would. Uh, some people think this, that. Those, some of those are going to relate to them. I have a question then about those specifically before we go into core beliefs and how you, how you change them and or that kind of thing. Um, you 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 said something about everything around me needs to be in perfect order. That one kind of resonated with me. And and like I think I'm a bit of a control freak. I like having control. And almost the reason that I quit my job, I feel, was because I felt like I didn't have control. Like I always thought before I quit my job that if I ever go, this is when my son was like, I didn't have my daughter yet. My son was like one or two, but I always thought if I go to my boss and say, Hey, I need two weeks off because my son's in some hockey tournament in the States. And I want to go to this hockey tournament in Michigan or something. And I couldn't get that two weeks off to, to be there with my son. You might as well stab me right in the leg because that's like the worst thing. Like if I get told no there, then I don't care. I'm out of here. And I just remember thinking, because I didn't have that control of my own life, I need to quit my job. Like I need, I can't. And I, I don't know if that sounds like a weird reason to ultimately quit what people told me was a successful career, but it was enough of a pain point for me that I'm like, I need control of my life here. Like I need control. So when I hear you say that, um, perfect orders, maybe, you know, a little different way to say, I, I do like things in order, but I do like control over things. And when I'm not in control, I will do everything quickly with a sense of urgency to try to regain that control. So for example, if Nick and I are faced with a real estate problem, you know, um, we've had, we had the tenant once who threatened us with Environment Canada, who was going to come and shut down the house because there was asbestos siding on the house. And it was when Nick and I were young and we were like, oh my gosh, we're going to like lose everything. Our house has asbestos siding. We came to learn the siding was completely fine. And the guy was just giving us a threat, but we went into information overload, trying to gather, like reach out to this lawyer, reach out to this paralegal. What information can we get from Environment Canada's website? Yeah. Who can we call? And we went into all this information gathering, which was what a very normal thing for us. And I think it's a, a mechanism where we can then get control back Yeah, because we're like, okay, we have enough information now. We're not out of control anymore. And so, I so that, that's a coping strategy, right? Of, okay, let's, let's get all the information. Let's tackle this. Let's problem solve, problem solve, problem solve, problem solve. And it's adaptive in a lot of ways. And it, this is part of the challenge when you're working with clients with un, unrelenting standards, where it, it it's been rewarded in a lot of areas in, in, in their life, right? Like work uh, primarily. Uh, so you, you well, what do you, what do you mean? Like I'm solving problems, you know, this is important. And yeah, it, it probably is. So it's kind of like a superpower where it, you turn it on when you need it and you, the rest of the time it, it's off. Cause if it's on all the time, 
then yes. you get so, into like I've okay. So I could I've just say a, with, with well with relationships sometimes with my wife, I'll share an example that I've learned I have to dial that down because sometimes there'll be a problem at home and I'll, I'll go into like, what's the problem? Okay, let's do this, 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 and this. Yeah. We'll do this. If that doesn't solve the problem, we'll do this. this. And I've learned that like, okay, that's not always the best approach in different situations. I should probably dial this trait of mine down a little bit in certain environments. And it yeah. probably took me at least 10 years to learn that. So yeah, I can relate to what you're saying there. Yeah. And you can kind of see if you've got this, this is another core belief around vulnerability to harm, which I don't know, you probably have some of this, but um, this idea, like things could collapse at any moment, like, you know, an economic or health crisis could hit at any time. Like you got to have your guard up, you got to be aware. And then you have on top of that unrelenting standards. So it's like, the, the world is dangerous. Crisis could strike at any time. And so the way that I'm going to prevent that is like I'm hard standards, problem solve everything all the time, be on alert all the time. And obviously these are clients who come in and, and they're, they're burnt out. And we, you know, it's easy to kind of like make light of it when you're talking from a distance, but when you're looking at someone who's, you know, 40, 50 years old, and they've been doing this for like 30 years, you, you really, it's like, wow, like you, you really feel for the person because not only is that pattern so deeply in, entrenched, but there's been a lot, you know, relationships, like time with family has, has been impacted, their health has been impacted, and it, it can be, a, you know, a, a lot of work to, to kind of walk that back. So I really ad admire people who can, can say like, wow, like I, I've drifted over here and I need some support to, to kind of figure out what, what's going on and come back to my, my values. Yeah. And you're right. When you said around the economic part, I probably do have that, you know, um, where I'm like trying to prepare for any economic chaos at all times. There's something you said in that last list of questions though, that really caught me because I hear this a lot and I, I feel like do not struggle this uh, with this particular thing myself, but you said not quite good enough. I specifically, when, I, when I'm sitting down with different investors here and different clients we've had over the years at Rockstar, when they're trying to maybe then branch off from a real estate investing to starting their own business, where they then have to put their face or name behind something and kind of stand for what, and even if they have 30 years of wonderful experience in what they're doing, I find that I see that specific thing that you said a lot, where, where I almost feel like I need to give them confidence, like, yes. You can do like it's it's obvious to me that you are capable of this and that you'll be great at it. And a mechanism I use to try to help people with that, I say, I, I and I'm interested to your thoughts. I say, listen, even if you don't think you're the expert in your field of expertise, give me a ranking of zero to ten on how good you think you are. And some people will say, well, I'm a I'm only a six, which I hate that language, but they'll say I'm only a six. And I'll say, well, great. There are people out there who are a zero to five in your field. Your six is basically expert status to somebody who's a two or a three. So you have tons of value. And not only that, that if you look at maybe me and you think I'm a nine in your field, but you're a six so that you can't do it because someone else is a nine. The way I speak on something at a level might be different and not resonate with somebody who's a two out of 10. And the way you're speaking about it might resonate perfectly and be much better than the way someone else communicates it. So that you have a duty to share what you're doing if you, if you believe in this kind of thing. And that's kind of the way I tackle it. And I don't know if it's like, it's the best I've come up with, Dr. Jeff. 
Okay. This is the best I've come up with, but I do hear that specific thing a lot. And for whatever reason, I think Nick and I don't suffer from it. We feel if we have the proper intention, if we've done the research and we, you know, we, we're really trying to do good that we, we don't suffer from that not good enough thing. Well, that's, uh, I think, again, speaks to your values and, and, you know, I am without, you know, I'm not trying to assess on the fly, but mm. the, your ability to kind of see shades of gray um, is a very, a trait of a very, you know, healthy belief system, you know, and clearly you are in touch with your values, right? You can imagine where, you know, I don't know all the de- the background of, of the, the rock star story, but you know, I, I can, from what I understand, you could see how you could easily find yourself totally, you know, like working at hours that you don't want to be working away from your family, you know, not going to Croatia once a year, doing all the, because you're making more money because it's important to grow the business. I think you could probably have taken that path uh, along the, the development of, of the organization, but being in touch with your values meant that you didn't do that. And it sounds like the, the reason you started the, the company in the first place was you know, tied into to your values. So that, I think that's such a protective factor where if you have someone who is coming at it from a framework of I'm not good enough, which I would say, I would guess more people than not who kind of walk into, um, say, real estate investing, there, there's probably an element of that there because they, they need to achieve more. You know, they need, they need something more for whatever reason. And it could be because they're, they're not good enough or they don't measure up or they, you could be doing more. You know, your life is fine now, but you could, could be doing more. So I, I think that there's probably a lot of work to do for, for the average person. Well, let me, let me take a step back. I think that when it comes to things like, uh, you know, special projects that you're doing in your life to, you know, quote, unquote, get ahead or, you know, personal development, you have to say like, am I doing this because I'm not good enough or am I and there's this, this some status or level that I, I want or perceive that I need to achieve, or am I doing this because it's so tightly tied to my values, right? And I think that you can look at that financially. There's things that are hard to do, take a ton of time and effort, but that are very well measured and thought through about, okay, this is going to be hard. Here's the cost, but here is how it relates to and serves my values. Same thing with, with health and fitness. I'm going to take time away from my family. I'm going to change some of my, you know, my eating habits, you know, I'm going to probably, you know, might create some friction with, with friends in, in certain ways with my eating and, and drinking habits, but it's so tightly tied to my values that I got to do it. But on either of those measures, you can take it too far where, you know, that the health and fitness controls your whole life. You know, the, the financial piece controls your, your whole life. And that's coming from a place of, you know, fear and maladaptive core beliefs and not a place of value. So again, I think to me, you know, this is part of my, my bias, but it's part of the, the, the simplest way I've found to explain these concepts is like assess, are you coming from a place of 
problematic core beliefs, a place of fear, or are you coming from a place of, of values? Wow, man, it's tough to be a well-balanced human. Yep. <laughs> Holy smokes. Hearing that, I feel like we all have problems, man. <laughs> we, all, we do. But yeah, 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 yeah. No, we do. We definitely do. Um, and then, so what? So you ask these questions to identify people's core beliefs. And from those core beliefs, you can then identify their values and the priority they play, the, the order of their values. Is that where we're headed with this? So two separate things, identify the core beliefs, identify the values. When you're identifying the, the core beliefs, AKA schemas, you're also identifying the coping strategies that, that come with those. Schemas. Which could be positive or negative. If we're talking strictly schemas, they're, they're like, we, we focus on any, you know, we can get a whole commentary, you know, focusing on the negative versus positive psychology. I try to mix both, but in this case, yeah, you can have positive core beliefs, but we're talking about what are the, the schemas that are, are getting in the way of your life and what are the behaviors that, that stem from that? Even simple things like if you talk with somebody, say, you know, I don't fit in, you know, people don't, you know, don't connect with me. People don't meet my needs emotionally, a, beha- a common behavior. Well, I'm just going to like step back socially. You know, I haven't seen friends in, you know, two months, but whatever, I don't really need them and it's fine, whatever. That's okay. There's a problematic behavior right there that's that's coming from um a negative schema got it so then how do you work on some of that stuff just identifying and then you you will then identify that and then say okay here's the thought patterns that you need to start changing yeah yeah so what what are what are the thought patterns what are the behavioral patterns that come from that schema and then that's where we say okay what, what are the values what's the stuff you actually care about in your life and what do you want your life to be about so once you have that picture clarified it's like here's values based tom Mm -hmm. yes here's schema driven tom is what schema driven tom is doing congruent with values driven tom if it's not okay let's let's shift and what even if it's like scary and it's it's not clear what do you think values driven tom would do and then do that thing and see what happens and I that's, like, that's how you I like the think, pattern. Okay. So can you give us some example of like values driven person? Like what are, what are some of those va- like at a high level? Like, I don't know. What are some of those values? Is it like, are we just talking like where you place family on your list or a sense of purpose in your, cause I feel like, I feel like I have a certain purpose to my life and I enjoy that. And I enjoy coming from that place. So even in this business, it's not all about making money. It's not all about real estate even. It's about, hey, there is a way that we can all live and get through this economic madness. And let's all try to discover that together and share and support each other. And all our decision-making, maybe not all, but a large majority of what we do here at Rockstar will come from that place. Not yep. like, let's sell these 10 pre-construction condos to maximize the commission rate on, you know, it's, it's no, 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 but let's come from that place. And, and I feel like that's me coming from my own values. Am I looking at that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You, you've got a mission that's tied in with your values. You also have balance across your, your values. Like you, you've got a family, you spend family time, 
you, know, you take care of your health from what I understand. You know, you t- take care mm-hmm. of eating, you have social relationships. Uh, you have, you know, I mentioned okay. family, your kids, your wife. So then you when you're younger, roles. okay. So this is really curious, interesting to me because when you're younger, if you don't have that sense of purpose in your life, like maybe you've identified, okay, family is very important to me and all these kinds of things and people can do better with their family or worse, of course, and that stuff. But, but I find, I see this a lot that people don't know what they want to kind of put the stake in the ground and identify their life to be about. So, so they struggle with the career they want to get into, or if they should quit their job and focus on, on something when you're young or even my, I'm 48 right now. How does somebody go about? Cause I feel like I found that for me and I feel very lucky and grateful that I found that for me. But if you don't have that in your life, like that you have, you have identified family and health, but you're still missing this, like what your work, your, your life's work is going to be about. How do you identify that? Practice trying things, getting out and trying a bunch of different things. And I, that sounds like a really crude answer, but I'm trying to stop myself from going on a diatribe about the messages that we, we give to people. Cause I think part of, no, you go, you go, you rant away. There's a growing problem with the fact that we tell people that, and I like, I'm part of this culture and upbringing, you're special. Your, your life is special. You're, you're going to be something you can find your, your, your thing. And when that, I think that's great. And that's, that's positive in, in a lot of ways, but it, if the messages you're going to get that at 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. 25, some people sure. And, and then we've got all these people in society who drive culture musicians celebrities who seemingly have found that at 18 19 20 25 and they communicate how they've done it and how your life should be so this this idea that you should or could uh, be special and not only be special but be special at age 18 19 20 it's just not realistic but if you take a path where you are engaged in a pursuit, a meaningful journey of trying to identify what, what do I want my life to be about? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to try different things. You're going to do different things. And eventually you know, you're going to learn what resonates with you. And, and I think, you know, you've done that. You, you had a job that you, I don't know if you would use the, the term hate it. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. No, I learned a lot. No, it's it's weird, but yeah, okay. So you're 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 touching on such an interesting point here because I feel like it took me till about the age of 32, 33, and I was working on it aggressively, I would say for five years of like, okay, like I know I don't want to work for somebody. And I knew that at the age of 26 or 27. And I was reading a lot of uh, personal development or the self-help aisle at chapters, you know, that kind of yep. aisle of books. Like I was just obsessed with all that kind of reading. And then it got into personal finance and, and real estate and all those other things, of course. Um, but I feel like I was getting frustrated that I could not find what I wanted to almost dedicate my life to. It was turning into a bit of a frustration. And then when I finally decided, yep, it's going to be real estate. And then when I was able, and it took a couple of years, when Rockstar was was born, it was like, hey, we're going to help investors. This seems like a, a thing where we can actually serve people 
and it's a missing thing that we don't find where people are helping investors because we couldn't find it was almost just scratching our own itch right classic entrepreneurial kind of story yeah. and uh when the higher purpose of, of, of our business came out that like, hey, we're trying to help people live life on their terms and understand monetary policy, that really was like, oh, wow, this really is something I can dedicate myself to. So it was an evolution and it took years to find. But before I found it, I was pretty frustrated. I, I got to tell you, like, so I don't know if I was headed down a, a healthy path or not. And I feel grateful that I kind of found this. But I feel a lot of people are in that state. So I like what you're saying. Sorry, now I'm rambling. I'm just kind of giving you my stream of thoughts here. But I like what you're saying is that you shouldn't be in a rush to find that. It's just the journey. Develop your skills. Find what makes you happy, brings you joy. Keep working away. Do Be the best person you can be every day. Give a little bit more every day than the day before. And just go down that path and then something will likely attract you and, and then go down that path even further. So you're, you're kind of explaining, like, let your life evolve. And, and there's got to be trial and error. And I think that if you know what's really important and you protect, you know, your, your downside and you have some kind of safety net, which I, I think you probably did. I, I don't think you, you know, you went out and over leveraged yourself. To I probably went out and I, I probably, when I quit my job, many people looking back say, I did not have a safety net, Jeff. <laughs> well, well I, I would argue. And again, n- n- from what I understand from the outside, it was probably super scary, but I think you at least knew what was important. And you probably knew that like, Oh, if this doesn't work out. I can just like get another job. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Right. So you, you, you still had that, that backup plan. Right. So, and, and I, that, that, like that's a, you know, a, a compliment and a, a credit as opposed to, um, oh, well, it, it, it wasn't that hard because you had the safety. Well, well no, like it, it's super scary to, to take, you know, get, mm-hmm. say, take this job and, and shove it. So, so to speak and, and go out on, on your own. So um, how did we get to this point? I think we're, no, I took us off. It was me. I took us off this. I just just like the fact that what you're saying is that, because it's what I see a lot in people that they're looking for something searching. And I think there's a certain frustration that I can relate with because I was in the same place. And I think what you're saying is that uh, the trial and error of, of, of things is not a negative. It's what you should do. Try lots of different things, fail at some things, learn from those fail. I, I, I always share with people that I believe failure is the raw material you need for success. That if you don't fail a whole bunch of times, you don't know anything. You haven't learned anything. So just go out there and mess up and screw up. And I think that's what I hear you saying as well. Yeah, you, need to, you need to try. You need to try, trial and error when you're doing it. Try, you know, know what your backup plan is for sure, but trial and error. Yeah, um, okay. I, I, I think guess, I, and I, I think I selfishly took us down this path because it fascinates me. So we can, we, we can move on, but, uh, but uh, yeah, this is. Can, can I throw something else at Oh you? yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah. I, then, you know, kind of building on this whole narrative of um, you know, message, you know, you're special and you should be this, da, 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 da. I think there's also, you know, messages or forces that pull us into staying in a job, right? In, in 
some that's great for some people. Like I gotta, by no means am I trying to say to people like, oh, you know, if, if you don't like your job, you should like quit it and, and start a company. That's right for some people. It's not right for some people. Um, but for you, like if you had, I see lots of people who were in your position at probably age, you know, 27, 30, and they stay in the job. And then I see them at 40, 50. What do you think that looks like? It's, it's certainly not necessarily a values aligned life. And, and don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot to be said for put your head down, protect your family, you know, take your paycheck and yes, invest wisely, but put, put the family first. And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with working a job and, and, you know, kind of building your own little nest egg we can get all into like how do you invest safely and and all that stuff but um if you are feeling that that is not right for you that's a cue to you know begin that process of of trial and error um where you're, you're trying new things in order to find you know that which is is meaningful to you and that that's not gonna you know come for free and i think that that's part of the challenge with the messaging that we should just find this, you know, passion is like, well, I'm working, you know, I'm working at the government. I, you know, this doesn't feel special. I don't think I have, this isn't my, my life's work. So you know, well, it's probably not for some people it is, but if you're feeling that maybe it's not and that you need to try some different things. It could be small, could be large, but that's kind of your, your cue to try. And I think by trying and learning and growing, that's the only way you can get to a point where, you, you know, you're like yourself and you can say, at, you know, age 48, like, Hey, like, I think like this, what I've built here is like pretty reasonably aligned with my values. Like it's hard, you know, some yeah, days by no means am others. I trying to say I have everything figured out and we're perfect and have the perfect business. And st- no, by no means am I saying that just to be clear, but I am yep. happy. I am happy that I chose this path for sure. Yep. And I think that's all we can, can ask for is find a path that that's meaningful to you and and stick to it and keep plugging away because that's what's you're gonna everyone's gonna have crappy days down days fatigue days you know, stressful days and if you don't have that it's like hey here's a thing that i that is meaningful to me here's what the mission is or the point is if you don't have that then how i don't how do you move through those those rough days yeah, because I, I find that when I'm struggling, though those having a, a greater mission is, is, and we said this, I think, before we started recording, it really does help. It pulls me through because there are definitely days where both Nick and I are like, screw this. Like, you want to grab the side of your desk and just flip it. You know, you're like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the greater purpose that definitely carries you through. So, yeah, that's, and I, I hearing you speak, I'm just thinking about my son a lot. My daughter's 15, my son's 19. And now I'm just, you know, cause to him, I'm like, how as his father do I, what do I share with him? And I want to put so much stuff into his brain, but I want him to have his own journey. And it's tough being a father, you know? And, and uh, so when I hear you say this, it's, it, I guess maybe that's almost where I'm coming from. I'm like, okay, I, I want him to, I don't want him to feel like he has to do what I do. And I don't want him to feel like he has to figure everything out, but I don't want him to have a crappy life either. So I better tell him this and I better tell him that <laughs> it's like this, this crazy balance. But um, anyway, so well, yeah, I think I, that's I, part I, of like one of the, the things that 
I work with clients a lot on is here's this thing that I'm feeling like I want to find the way to communicate it. And then there's this perfect script right there. Like, have you tried saying that? And I'm sure you have like communicated a lot of these things to your son, but there's probably like, I, I don't know, I'm not a parent, like full disclosure, but there's probably nothing wrong with what you just said. Like what you just said is capturing a tone. Like, I really care about you. I'm not sure like what the right one piece of advice is. I want to share my experiences with you, but I respect you and I love you enough that I want you to make your own choices. It's like, wow, like if your son has gotten that message, that's pretty darn good starting point. Cool. Okay. That, that's actually really helpful to me. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, okay. So how does, you know, I, I wanted to get back to just some tips on handling some of what we're going through with quarantine fatigue, but, but bef- before we go, maybe we can end with that. I'm curious, how does someone like yourself being in the industry you're in think about the economy? We touched on this before we started recording a little bit, like just your own, because I, I feel that in today's world with all the kind of what I consider economic chaos that I see in the world, it presents a lot of interesting challenges for people because even if you found that you're, you're perfectly passionate about a certain career job or your own business, whatever it is, you then have this other thing that you should likely have pay attention to about for your retirement and and then what do you do? And it's it's almost like our current monetary system is as mandated that everybody turn into this armchair economist. How are you handling that, or what are your thoughts are, are around that? Because because some to me, I don't like that. I, I I feel like everybody should be able to save money as a reflection of their time and labor, and those savings should go up in value, and that our the best purpose for all of us in society is for Dr. Jeff to focus on what Dr. Jeff does. And Dr. Jeff shouldn't have to be on the weekend figuring out, oh my gosh, what's the real estate prices going on? And do I buy some gold? Do I get some of this Bitcoin stuff? What's that that about? You know, like, so how, what, when I say all that, what comes to mind? And I'm, I guess I'm coming to you personally now, not, not yeah. your, the Dr. Jeff. How are you handling that kind of stuff? Well, I think, unfortunately, that is part of what has to happen is that if we look at it from a values standpoint, financial health is a value and it's a value domain that's going to help you help service other values, right? And by no means am I saying the more money you have, the better, but you have to realize that there is a domain around, around finances. And if you don't want to make a lot of money, that like, that's fine. Like, you know, you, you, you can live a really awesome values-based life, you know, working minimum wage. And I think like, I might get, you know, roasted for saying that, but I think we get your point. Yeah. Like if you know what your values are and you, you say values first, finance is second. Sure. But either way, finances, is one domain that you you want to take care of as you look at your different roles in the different value domains. And so unfortunately, the you know economic situation right now has required us to become these armchair economists. But I don't think that 
we, a, you know, we don't all have the, the time, you know, you're raising a family, you're, you're trying to work a job and you want to go to your kid's hockey tournament. You don't want to be going to education. Reading about the history of interest rates. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, I think there's a minimum, what I'd say is like, there's a minimum level or threshold of financial self-defense that you, you got to understand. And it can be as simple as, you know, picking up a, a few books, like the rich dad, poor dad book you know, I think is a great so starting good. point. Yeah. So understand assets versus liabilities and, and start from there. Understand different avenues for investment. You don't have to, you know, start, you know, day trading stocks, but I, I think that, you know, again, we can talk about whether stocks are useful investment yeah. or there are better investments out there, but um, oh, Jeff, there's something there. You dive into that. You share whatever you want there. You you could tell there's something behind that statement. You share whatever you want. Anyway, and I've been down down that road, right? <laughs> we all Whole have. We all have. Been, industry. My, well, here's what Warren Buffett does, and and uh, I remember in the, before the tech run up of the, uh, you know the crash of like the Nasdaq crash, like 2000. I guess it was just shortly after New Year's in 2000, or is it 2001? Anyway, right around then, I was. Uh, I was buying some stocks. It was like, I'll never, I think the peak moment for me was that somebody, I feel like it was 1999, someone, I was at Oracle. So I was in tech support still at Oracle there. And someone ran up to me and they said, oh my gosh, millionaire.com is going public. We have to buy it. And I, and I remember thinking, really? Like, what do they do? And the person said, don't you get it? That's where all millionaires are going to go on the internet. And I was like, wow, yeah, we should probably buy some of that. Yeah. <laughs> just like there was no business model. There was nothing there. It was just millionaire.com. And I, I don't think I ever bought that. I don't even know if that did go public or whatever it was. Um, but just the fact that I thought, yeah, that probably does make sense. And, you know, we're, we're all buying these tax. It was Those were the crazy days. And I feel like we're back to those days a little bit with the crypto stuff that's happening yeah. right now. Right. So the, the, the I see Doge so, coins. Yeah. The Dogecoin <laughs> stuff. I see so many similarities with it. Like Elon just tweeted about Dogecoin. We should yeah. buy some. And you're like, really? What is it? What is it all about? <laughs> Who cares? Dog. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just buy it. Right. So, uh, so and, anyway, I can totally relate when you, when you were talking about the stocks and stuff there, it's, it's a little bit of a crazy world. But then, so the, I think the, the upshot is, to, to take an interest in your finance, you know, we all get, well, we don't all get paid in Canadian dollars, but you're getting paid in this currency. And presumably you want to have some purchasing power throughout your life, particularly for a lot of us at the, the end of, uh, there's a commentary on retirement. We really want to focus on the last <laughs> five to five. 10 years, <laughs> but um, you, you probably, I try to avoid should statements, but probably should take some kind of, you know, minimal interest in the, this, you know, money thing and how it all works. I think that the, the, the baby step that I would say, if you don't have time, you don't at least think about where you're spending your money because there are forces at play that are trying to take your money. You turn on the TV, you're going to get ads telling you to buy this crap. You're going to put on HGTV, paint this crap, this 
color, get this bench, get this countertop, get this, everyone will love it. And if you don't have a, a, um, a lens that you can filter that messaging through and you don't have an understanding of assets versus liabilities, you're dead in the water because you're just going to like buy all this crap and then your, your nest egg, your purchasing power is going to be nil because anything that you've <clears throat> got, have had to invest has gone out the door. It's been extracted from you via this, this messaging. So um, at a minimum, at least understand and think critically about who is trying to get you to buy what and why you are spending your money on a certain thing. That, I think that's step one. And then from there, you can say, okay, well, we're, once I save some of my money and I don't just buy this crap that I'm being told to buy, then what's this thing called investing and how do I keep my money safe? Which unfortunately right now, has become increasingly complicated, <clears throat> at least in North America, because I think that a lot of other uh, cultures, unfortunately, and societies, unfortunately, um, we, we're talking from a real place of privilege where we can say, like, traditionally, our money has been somewhat mm -hmm. sound. Um, I think people in other countries are like, oh, yeah. like, we've been dealing with this for Decades. Yeah, our whole yeah. lives. I, you know, I, I just, I'll just never forget my aunt when I stood next to her and she was exchanging dinars for German marks. And like, that was like what you did. You used the dinars as the currency to, to buy, you know, the eggs. But if you had any uh, intent of storing value and, and trying to actually save, you tried to get your hands on German marks. And that was, that was so normal to them. Whereas here we don't think of like, oh, like you might use Canadian dollars to buy your groceries, but geez, don't, don't hold any real savings in Canadian dollars by, by any means. You know, that's like a weird concept for most Canadians and, and everyone in North America, but you're right. It's, it's around the world. Okay. So um, for, for the, the core beliefs, that component, I'm, I'm curious, once you've identified somebody's core beliefs or if somebody has self-diagnosed themselves, which I'm sure is the most dangerous thing I could ever say to you. But if somebody uh, did do that listening to this, how do you go about like, you know, other than making an appointment with someone like yourself to work through it, is, are there just, you know, I don't know, the, the like best practices to, to try to change your thinking? Is it like a, a morning routine that you should have every day or... Or like, what are some of the best practices to change some of your, your, your beliefs that are not serving you? Is there like a, an at-home guide to that? Well, I, I would just say as simple as it is to most people, you know, pick up a, a couple of books. Like there's a book, I might've mentioned it last time I was on called Reinventing Your Life. Like it's, it's old school, it's from the 90s, but it, it helps uh, you understand uh, your core beliefs, you know, your, your schemas, how to identify them, where, where they're, they're coming up. Um, there's also, and, and this is more, it's kind of a, a clinical workbook, but a book called Mind Over Mood. Again, like it, you know, it's awesome, which is why we're still talking about it, you know, 20 plus years after it was written, but it is, at this point it's corny, but I think that's part of the appeal. It's just like simple, like here's skills for identifying thoughts, feelings, behaviors, what are the patterns, that I get myself into. So I'm not saying anyone's going to love reading those two books, but if you go and read those two books, you'll be further ahead in understanding your own uh, thinking patterns. And you'll then be able to identify when certain thoughts and beliefs and behavioral patterns are helping you versus hindering you. And then I think that 
the the other side is just you got to understand what your your values are in life you know if you if you don't understand what's important to you then you can do everything you want to identify what's getting in the way but if you don't know what you're kind of shifting towards then you're operating without a compass and the other thing that's really important that i'd add on the values is it's always a challenge to balance your different value domains you know work-wise you may be spending a lot of time and focus there and that's going well but that's pulling away from your family time your health time so you're constantly shifting and reshifting um, the, the balance across the, the, the value domains. And I, and I say to people, like, if you can get to, you know, I'm kind of like 70% in the work domain, like I'm 70, I'm a 70% good family member. I'm a 70% good friend. My health is like 70%. I'm not winning any fitness competitions, but like, I'm okay. I'm reasonably healthy. 70% across those domains. I, I think that's kind of like almost like the, the Holy grail. Um, and maybe there's times you can be 80 and one, but like, you know, yeah, I'm so uh, happy you said tough. that because, because I think some of the self-help industry went off the rails to me a little bit uh, by the time I was reading some of the books in my late twenties, there was a lot of talk about balance. And I think you and I have talked about this a little bit before that, like you can set up your life to be perfectly balanced. And I interpret that to mean that you could be 10 out of 10 on all these values and you just have to set up your day properly you get up and you meditate and then you do exercise and then you have some family time in the morning at breakfast and then you do this at work and and you could maybe maintain that schedule for a week or two weeks or if you're lucky maybe a few months but life ultimately throws you curveballs and then i would get a little frustrated that i wasn't really being able to follow these things and keep a perfect balance and i've since come to learn that to me, a happy life is not about balance in all these areas. It's about sometimes work does take priority and I have to focus on it for two weeks. And I have to communicate to the family that, listen, right now, this requires focus for these reasons. And I'm ultimately going to circle back to the family. But right now I need to be pulled here. And then there's other times where it's family is the priority and work will suffer and that's okay. Um, and so it's kind of like this, I like what you said, 70% across the things I've, I've, I've often looked at it. Like sometimes you go to a nine or 10 on some areas and you yeah. accept that some are going to be lower and that's okay. Yeah. But maybe through the year I get balance, totally. you know, but, but on a day I was analyzing my life on a day because I was reading some of these books. Right. And I was considering myself like, Oh, what am I doing wrong? Like, I don't, I didn't. I didn't do all these things today. I'm, I'm like a failure. I don't think I used failure, but, but it, I did there, have a sense of frustration. Schemas, yeah, 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 yeah. Those schema. Yeah. Yeah. And it got, it frustrated me. Right. I was like, this isn't working for me. So it took a while to figure that out. So I'm glad you're saying it that way. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, there's never a perfect state of balance. There's never like a perfect day of balance. If you're lucky, you like get to the end of a week and be like, Oh wow. Like that was pretty like balanced week, but there's no one, you know, uh, you, you can't consistently have balance. And I, I, I think the risk is some people might interpret this conversation and be like, wow, like, okay. Like look at someone like Tom, like he doesn't have the answers. Like Jeff doesn't have the answers. They're just like being like, okay, well life is like really hard. And, and so like kind of suck it up, I guess. And like try a bunch of different crap and like, good luck. Like, what are they talking about? Um, I mean, I think the answer is yeah, life is hard. Everybody has distress, different times, 
different ways. And because life is hard and it's confusing and it's ambiguous, you must have values. And through living your values, that's how you get meaning. So I'm more about helping people get meaning than happiness because I don't know how you get happiness. But I know that if you pull away from your problematic schemas and you turn towards your values, that's a meaningful life. And even if at the end of your life, you said, wow, like that, that was hard, a lot of work, stress, pressure. And hey, you know, there's some times where I enjoyed things. Um, I raised a family or I built this thing that was meaningful and important to me. You're not going to say, oh, I wish I had more like fun and, and relaxation. You're going to say, well, you know what? That's a life. It's hard at times, but ultimately it was meaningful. And that's really what matters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's such a good way to, 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 to leave that point. Just focus on your values and come from your values and identify your values. And, and you don't have to be perfect at hitting them, but ultimately that gives me selfishly, I guess, a, a sense of accomplishment and contentment. So even though I'm not maybe happy, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I don't want to say I'm not happy, but, yeah. but, but maybe not every day. There are some days like this morning I was sharing, like this morning was like, oh, geez, what's happening today? Uh, and, uh, but when you come from the place of values, it does give you a certain sense of satisfaction. And, yeah. and that's very... I don't know if it's comforting or it gives you a sense of purpose, but it's very value. It's been very valuable in, in, in my life. So to bring this to something that we're all going through this quarantine fatigue that we started on this discussion, you know, because it is raising our cortisol levels and, you know, causing stress and there's uncertainty. We never know if it's going to end. Is it going to be continued? Are, you know, are we going to get to May 20th or whenever it is? And, you know, are we going to be able to travel this summer? And it's just all this uncertainty. What are just some, ways I get, and I know it comes back to some of the things we've talked about, but what are specifically on that one, what are some things we can do or think about, or how, how can we handle that one? Am I, am I putting you too much on the spot here? Or do you have some No, that, that? that's good. I, I wish I had the, the one answer. And I think that, you know, talking about kind of the self-help um, industry, we can get in these modes where like, there's one quick hack that you can do. I'm going to tell you right now, Tom, yeah, yeah. if you put you do this, this butter in your coffee, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to just feel amazing. Hey, I so, did that for a little while. I did that for a couple of years, man. I did that for a couple of years. I like that one, but you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing, nothing against that. I've, I've never tried it, but not, nothing against that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't it. have one quick tip yeah. uh, to make you feel awesome during a pandemic. But I'd say, you know, control what you can control and direct your behaviors at your values. And like right now, it's kind of like there's a dartboard and every it, like we, we're blindfolded and it's like, okay, well, let's just try to like throw our behaviors at our back. Like, okay, it's hard to exercise right now, especially, you know, it's warming up, but especially through the winter, I'm going to try to like get on a bike or go for a walk or something. Awesome. Awesome. You might be at like 50% of where you want to be as far as exercise, but that's, that's good enough right now. We're in a pandemic, you know, same thing socially. It's like, Oh man, I don't want to do like zoom call. It's not perfect. Kind of sucks. But when, when you feel okay to do it, or maybe even if you don't totally feel up to it, like push yourself, like, yeah, just try it. Let's, let's talk to some people. You know, my eyes are strained. You know, I don't want to look at the screen, but I'm connecting socially. It's the best I can do right now. Excellent. Yeah. So, you know, we can't, can't go out on kind of like a date night with, with my partner. Let, let's make some, okay, let's do some popcorn and, 
and watch a movie. It's kind of boring. It's not perfect. Oh, I wish I could go to, you know, Cineplex. Um, but we can't. <laughs> that seems so, like so an adventure now, do. going to a movie theater. You know, like, oh my gosh. A I don't know theater? if any will exist. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, now, but, I know. Um, but I think that that's, that's part of it. Just like accepting that things are not perfect and you are not going to be able to, to kind of hit your targets in probably any domain. And if you disabuse yourself from the idea that you should be, then hopefully that, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's painful, but hopefully you're minimizing any unnecessary suffering by like, what, what's wrong? Why can't I do this? Why am I, my, why are my exercise routines not better? Well, it's because you're changing your focus, you know, even a little bit changing the focus there. Hmm. To change, control what you can control, recognize it, it's not going to be perfect. Recognize this is really hard. Uh, I think that bringing that, that meaning, like, you know, it's like that old Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times. This sucks, but it is interesting. And hopefully you've got to believe that there's going to, there's got to be something that comes of this for, for each person on a personal level that can inform your life and that you're going to be able to pass on to other people in the future. So find what that might be for you. Um, but it, it's a hard time. Like there's no, there's no way around it, but I think you come back to the basics too, you know, try to eat. Okay. And try to move a little bit. Um, do those things, recognize that it's hard, take healthy shortcuts. I think that's under, yeah, underappreciated. I think it was a neuroscientist at conference I was at in LA once said the quality of your energy is highly related to the quality of food that you put in your mouth. (laughs) And I just love the simplicity of that. You know, if if you don't put food full of nutrients in your body, then your, the energy that you produce is likely going to be crappy. If you put food in your mouth, that's full of wonderful nutrients and nutrient dense, then your energy is likely going to be high powered and feel great. So yeah, it's such a simple thing that you just said, but that's, that's an important one for sure. So any, anything else, I, I want to honor your time now. I'm taking you to, too long here. Anything else that you wanted to be covering or sharing uh, while we're chatting today? I really appreciate you doing this, by the way, because I think your profession right now is like very, it's not that it's never been important. It's just more important now than maybe ever. And I can only imagine the, you know, the, the conversations you have between colleagues right now with what you're seeing out there, it just must be, it's almost like a case study on humanity for you, you know, cause there's going to be some personality types, maybe like myself, like you can't lock me up, let me free. I want to travel. What are you doing? <laughs> pounding, you know, pounding on the table. And there's other personality types that are going to just be very like, yes, I'll go along with what, what, you know, what the government will tell us and, and, and stuff. So there's this mix of personalities and just, it's an interesting time for you. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, interesting it is definitely the way that I'm, I'm looking at it. But uh, I, I think I would just could have uh, echo again, like I did last time that like the value and the importance of this, this podcast, as far as just good stuff, help trying to help people in a number of different domains, your entry point is the the financial piece the financial pre, uh, freedom which happens to you know relate to the real estate piece you know bitcoin gold etc but i just want to echo my gratitude because i think we're we're all working from the same framework like how can we contribute something that 
helps make people's lives more meaningful, that helps people go out and, and live their values. So, so yeah, I don't know if there's any, like, I, I'm, I'm pretty good for a, another question if there is any, but um, yeah, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, thank I, I you, thank Tom. you for that. No, no. I, and I thank you for saying that. Cause I think that's the whole intent that I feel like, but we can all support each other out here. And I'm very grateful that technology has come to the point where I can have this conversation with you and you're in Ottawa, but because you think the same way you can share and, and to be able to distribute this through a podcast where someone could be jogging through the forest right now, listening to this and hearing some of this information to me is very meaningful and it helps me. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative. Yeah. Okay. I, I did have a couple last things then uh, since you have a couple more minutes. Um, when I hear some things, I was just writing down like a couple points we, t- we touched on, but um, I feel like I'm just interested in what you have to say about someone who says this to you. And I don't know if this is where my values come in or my core beliefs, but um, since I have you, I'm selfishly going to take you up on that is I have this core belief that I always think for the long term. So for example, when it comes to health, I'll do things that I don't want to do because I think it's better for my long term being in relationships. I'll try to make decisions that aren't emotional, but are the law, you know, have the long term best benefit for me. And, and with money, I think long term. I never, I'm never trying to get, I, there was a time in my life where, you know, I was trying to maybe get rich quick and I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. So now I just think kind of long-term. And I think this has benefited me greatly over the last 10 and 20 years. Is that type of thinking, like almost like patting yourself on the back, is that something that's serving me? Or is that something that like is, you know, I'm trying to protect myself from other types of thinking. So I'm like, well, I always think for the long term and the long term is the, the way to go. You know, like when we, I'm not even asking you a good question here, Jeff, but when you hear someone say that, just what comes to mind for you? The first thing is asking, is it getting in the way of living your, your values? And in your case, it doesn't sound like it is. Got if it. you had okay. told me like, you know, Jeff, like, you know, we've, we've done like pretty well with our real estate, but like, I I'm really concerned with where things are going. Like I told the family, like back in uh, 2008, like guys, like no more vacations. Like maybe we go to like Florida once or twice every few years or something. Um, but like no spending and we just like locked down our spending and, you know, you're so fearful that you're not actually enjoying your life and your other values are suffering, then I'd say, okay, well, that's, that's okay. So that's the context where to come out from any of your, your thinking it's how is it serving your values? That's basically what it will come back to. Yeah. I I almost wonder with that one. Yeah. Say it. When we look at, at, (laughs) at, at real estate, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's part of it where it's my understanding of where things have gone, at least from a Canadian literature on real estate perspective is you had like, you know, the Don Campbell's who say, you know, cash flow positive, this is how we should be looking at things. And now it's like, well, that's good. That's great. Like, of, of course, like cash flow positive, but there's all, I think there's all like that pull of people. Like, well, I bought this, uh, you know, place in Toronto or wherever, then cash flow negative. And I just made 
$200,000 in the past five years, right? So it is, is like, is there, I think there's something to be said, like is sticking to the, the numbers in a cash flow positive sense, am I being too rigid? Like when am I being too rigid? And there's probably, this is probably a question from any kind of investment standpoint. When am I being too rigid in, in sticking to my system versus when should I kind of like get with the, the crowd and, and look at what what's happening in the, in the here and now. So I'm kind of yeah, like with extending the time. Yeah, yeah, get your, with the your time. question. Yeah. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I guess. I'm no, no, that's a that's... fascinating thing to be and it, it's, it's something I think Nick and I have learned since we kind of turned this into a real estate thing a little bit here is that you're never going to beat the monetary policy because it is so prevalent and will dictate things in, with much greater force than anything else. So you have to adapt your investing. And it's kind of why we felt comfortable buying, like back in 2010, 2011, pr property prices were already going up. We had many people tell us, well, we're not going to buy. And it, it was Hamilton specifically, because property prices went from like, you could buy a fully detached home. I know this is going to sound crazy for $200,000 in Hamilton. And it went to 234999 I'll never forget. And it was like, even our own team was like, whoa, I guess the party in Hamilton is over. And what we came to kind of realize is that monetary policy trumps so much because if interest rates are pulled down, the, the, you know, it, property prices, if you have the fundamentals of lack of supply, demand through population growth, and then this interest rates that just come down to make the cost of money cheaper, prices can go higher, even if you think they can't. They're very highly correlated to monetary policy. So it kind of, yeah, it, 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 we always kind of came from this point. It was almost like a realization in 2008, 2009, like, oh my gosh, like we can have the best of both worlds. We can focus on trying to buy cash flow properties, but instead of being scared to act because pri property prices have come up, if we understand monetary policy, we can buy at the higher price because we can protect ourselves by trying to find cash flow but we can feel relatively confident the prices are going higher from here. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I can totally see where you're coming from with that. How one line of thinking like cash flow only kind of prevents you from something else. And, and you really do, it's complicated. It, it, it's difficult, especially in our family. We were so burned in 1990 where we almost lost everything because we had, you know, we were flipping properties and then one we were sp stuck with specifically did not cash flow and was costing us about a thousand dollars a month to carry back in 1990 when our, when our father's real estate uh, drywall company was going in the, in, in the tank and, so that's like a frame of reference then, our schema around that. And then it's hard to kind of convince yourself, whoa, like look at this other schema and, and to break out of it. So really I think that's what's scary now is I think that's a very bad sign, right? And, and when we're starting to say like, well, the cash flow, that doesn't really matter because the, 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 the price is just going to keep mm -hmm. going up. Like that, that's very, very dangerous. Bad. It reminds me dangerous. of like the, have you ever seen a chart of the Venezuelan stock market? Yeah, I think I have. It, so it goes yeah. like this. It yeah. looks, it looks awesome, yeah, yeah. but it's denominated in that yeah. currency. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's easy to like sit back and, Oh, well, look at all the spending. That's what's happening here. But you look at the amount of Canadian dollars that are in circulation and you like, of of course, real estate prices have gone because the price is denominated in Canadian dollars. So I like, to me, this is just, like, of Whoa, course, that's advanced thinking happening. right there. You're deep in the rabbit hole. By saying that statement, you are deep in the rabbit hole. It's, but, uh, it's a scary rabbit hole to be in, scary, right? When yeah, you yeah. so because then you start saying, Well, I get these CADs, these Canadian dollars. Like, what I, I do, they're on fire. Where do I put them? I will go, Well, I just could like put them in in this the stocks or real estate or whatever because it's just gonna like keep inflating. Like, that's a really awful place for an economy to be so i don't mean that to be kind of like a doom and gloom message but i think you know the scary part of we're gonna have to check your schema on this dr jeff (laughs) i think my my schema is showing (laughs) yeah no but but no i'm with you i'm with you and even though it's hard and in real estate specifically even though it's hard to find cash flow properties that break even we could have grown this business just so so you know much faster than we have because we could have just thrown any property at anyone, prices just go up. We've had people come in here specifically from the condo market and say, you guys don't get it. You guys do not get it. You know, you buy these condos and they go up and that's all you have to concern yeah. yourself with. And we're like, hey, listen, we're, all, we're actually on the go up story because of monetary policy and what you're saying about these CADs. I love the way that you're saying it, by the way. Um, but if we can find properties that are more difficult to find and might take us longer and might not, you know, if we can find properties that pay for themselves or, or produce some cash flow, um, then we're, we're, we're kind of like get the best of both worlds. Because if, if, if crap hits the fan and things go down, we got our cash flow and the property pays for itself. And the, if they go up, they even better. We have a property that cash flows and it's going up. And it's interesting that you see how the economy adapts, like in this particular area around the Golden Horseshoe, around the Toronto area here. You couldn't find cash flow for a few years. And then all of a sudden, duplexes and second suites started popping up everywhere. Investors adapted. And people said, oh, I can buy this one property. And instead of making $1,800 a month on it, I can actually rent it out to two, two people. And, I, and, and the income's actually doubling on this thing. And then the cash flow's back. So you can kind of see an economy respond in real time to some of the pressures. And it's just, it's a fascinating world to, to, to analyze. But uh Anyway, we're off. I feel like I, I took us off track again on that, but uh, but, but I think it's all it's all related, and that's that's the I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's I think it's kind of a, a call to folks to just kind of like be aware of what's happening. And I think that there's like to me there's a long term message in there, and in in the sense of like how do we want to build our society because we've got a lot of short-term thinking and we can get into, you know, how certain messages get amplified through social media, but it's clear that there is polarization across, you know, society where some people want this thing and that thing. And because of social media, we, we get polarized. And I think one poll of that is what do we do? Don't, no, no lockdowns, no nothing, no, no, whatever. The other side, well, we just have to do this. Everybody stay at home and we're going to spend like people need this resource and that resource and this and that. And like, of course, like this is like kind of like wartime where we don't want to do this, but we got to spend and we got to figure it out. But 
the, when we just get in the, 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 this polarization and I, I'm thinking, I, I don't know where I stand on it. I know we got to do something. We can't just let people get sick and die, but I'm also mindful of like, well, we can't just, you know, can totally destroy our currency because what is that going to do to our, our society? Yeah. And so it's, it's I, almost I think, like the, it's the second order effects of what we are doing. I feel like as a country, we're not spending enough time at least analyzing or putting weight around. It's the second order effects to me of all of our decision-making in the last year. They're just completely being ignored. So I'm agreeing with you. You know, if we need to build a hospital or get some, some, you know, investment in healthcare, absolutely it's necessary. And, but at the same time, who in our leadership is looking at the second order effects of that? And, and we haven't talked about children, but you know, I don't like it. Some of what I see happening with, you know, kids, you know, not, not there's like this un, almost an unconscious acceptance of like, maybe I won't go out to play and go outside. And I don't know, I feel like that's a dangerous thing to start getting instilled in yourself at an impressionable age. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe it's fine. Maybe, maybe, maybe that means that these guys will become the best computer scientists ever because they're just stuck in front of their computers all day and they're going to save the world. So maybe there's like, (laughs) maybe there's a positive to it, but uh, it's the second order effects that I feel like we are ignoring. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of with you on that. You know, I, I, I wish there was a bit more analysis on that. Yep. It, it's, it's tough though. way. I, I don't know what the right answer is. And I don't think anybody does. And I think that's kind of part of my thinking is in any, like in anything. And let me tie this back to, you know, your rock star message. Anyone who says they have the answer in anything in life, this is if one thing I, you know, I believe strongly is run from that person. If, if they say, I know what's, I know what's, we must do this. This is the only way this is right. Run. Or you, you know what I get the secret to, to wealth. This is what you got to do. This is what's right for you. This is what's right for run away. Cause anyone who doesn't have that, that ability to kind of see the shades of gray and think, no, I don't, I don't mean that the way it's not. I'm saying the message, I think we be know what careful you mean. what, yeah, yeah. who your, your role models are, who you're listening to. And, and, you know, let's, let's think critically about um, all the big decisions in our lives and try to make sure whether it's our own life, our own relationships, you know, the society we want to build, like, let's think about the values that long-term uh, we want to service. So that, I mean, that's kind of big and Pollyanna-ish. Um, and I don't mean it to be, but um, I'm just trying to link in to get how how we kind of link this pandemic and mm-hmm. politics and economic decisions. And social media. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 an interesting time. I, I feel, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's almost like something you'll be writing about 10 years from now on this moment in time, because all these factors, like we have like, and, and we'll wrap here because we, I, I, now I have to, to start to wrap up, but, but, but with monetary policy, the way it is social media, the way it is mix in a pandemic, um, you know, you get, you get all these things that, that polarize people on almost politics, health, money, <laughs> you know, and then you have an environment that's just pulling people to either this or that. 
and uh, the, the room for discussion, which is, I think, what I appreciate uh, about talking with you, Jeff, is that just, just talking like this, I find very uh, helpful and I enjoy. And I don't feel like there's just enough of it. And it's either you're pro this or anti this and that's it, you know? Yeah, it's about um, ideas and, you know, figuring out what's right for you and admitting when like it's unclear and when it's hard. I, yeah, I, I agree. There's, we got to have more of this. We will, we'll bring you back to chat. Listen, I appreciate all the, um, all the time I get to chat with you. I really do. So thank Same you. Same here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So we'll, uh, if it's not too much trouble, I'll bug you again in, in a few months, we'll gather up some questions and uh, bring you back to get your thoughts on that. Hopefully we're parting on a boat somewhere. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I'm sure Maybe we will be. Kidney. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe right we'll around be. the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, Jeff, thank you so much. So if someone wanted to track you down and find you um, is the best place, the you know, website, what, what can you share? Honestly, just go go to LinkedIn, uh, Dr. Jeff Perron, you'll find me. Um, feel free to, to, to connect or, or send a message there. Or I am not big on Twitter, but th there's another spot. Uh, you can find me on, on Twitter. I think uh, at I think my handle is at Dr. Jeff Perron. We'll um, link to so that no one has to there. guess about that. Yeah, we will link yeah, exactly. to both of those. And on on LinkedIn, uh, Perron is P E R R O N. So you got if it. You're, if you're looking up Dr. Jeff Perron there, that's how to spell his last name. And we will link to LinkedIn and we'll track down your Twitter profile and link to it as well. So anyone in the show notes, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast, find this episode with Dr. Jeff, and we will have those links. That's it. Appreciate our chats. Pleasure getting for to sure. know you better and doing this. And thanks for, uh, thanks for this. Really. Thank you. For sure. Thank you. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that episode of the show. You can find Jeff Perron on LinkedIn at um, the show notes, I guess is gonna be the best place to get the direct link or just go to LinkedIn and search up Dr. Jeff, J-E-F-F, Perron, P-E-R-R-O-N and you'll track him down. He is in the Ottawa area. We'll have a link to that LinkedIn profile in the show notes of this episode as well, which are available at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. And if you're thinking about jumping into the real estate market and you don't know where to begin, you can come to our free introductory 90-minute class by going to canadianrealestatetraining.com. That's www.canadianrealestatetraining.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life your terms.